I invite you to turn again in God's Word this afternoon to 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 13. We read these two chapters together in connection with our series of the Catechism and coming to the second question and answer of Lord's Day 21, the communion of the saints. We heard last week that Christ's church is still glorious. The glory of the Lord has not departed from the church. He is an enduring community that will last to the end of the world. And this afternoon we consider her communion with Christ as his saints share in him and in all his treasures and gifts. Before we read these words from 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 13, we'll notice at various points a number of spiritual gifts that the Apostle Paul mentions. These gifts we no longer possess today. They served a particular function in the days of the New Testament church before the Scripture was complete. But now that the Bible is completed, we have all that we need for knowing sufficiently the doctrine of God and our salvation as we confess in the Belgic Confession. But yet the gifting of His Spirit, the gifting of unity still very much belongs to us, and we read of that here in chapters 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all are made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And all those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers... All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you 
are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic power and can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let's turn also in our confession to Lord's Day 21. Lord's Day 21, where we'll consider just the second question and answer together this afternoon. Question and answer at 55 asks us, what do you understand by the communion of the saints. First, that believers, one and all, as members of Christ the Lord, have communion with Him and share in all His treasures and gifts. Second, that each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members. This is the church's confession throughout the world. Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, I must confess to you tonight that I wrote this sermon in the past week with some sadness in my heart, and I'd imagine that most of you would probably know why that would have been the case. Because this evening we consider the teaching of God's Word concerning the communion of the saints at a time when in God's providence we've been hindered from seeing the saints, from being with the saints on the Lord's Day. I labored in this sermon with some sadness in my heart because among the few reasons for why I I broke this Lord's Day into three distinct sermons was because it was originally understood that we would all be back together today. And so I thought it would be appropriate if on our first Sunday back together we take pause and, and celebrate the communion of the saints before considering next week the forgiveness of sins in connection with coming forward to the Lord's table. But as God's Word says, many are the plans in the mind of a man, 
but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And that's certainly true, isn't it? In God's providence, in His gracious providence, we consider the communion of saints at a time when a pretty full experience of that communion has been temporarily been taken away. And so what I was hoping would be an evening of great joy of congregational singing amid the thronging worshipers is still another Sunday of some lament and sadness where we're still going to express that longing of the psalmist again in thy blessed courts to worship. My God, a single day is better than a thousand while far from thee I stray. And yet by God's grace, we also need to recognize this afternoon that our circumstances this evening not only give us pause and cause for lament, but also to give thanks to God. We also have reason to give thanks to God for the fact that although we we aren't able to be gathered together, although we haven't been able to gather together since Christmas, we have not ceased being the communion of saints. In spite of our current circumstances, the body of Christ has not been torn asunder. But as we confess in Article 27 of the Belgian Confession, the Church of Christ is not confined, it is not bound or limited to a certain place or person, but it is spread and dispersed throughout the whole world that is joined in heart and will throughout the entire world. And so we can give thanks to God that our oneness in Christ has not been dismantled or destroyed because of COVID-19. And that should give us great comfort this afternoon, that although we can't meet in person or, or come together as we're used to doing, Christ has not stopped keeping watch over his flock in violent. The flock in violent has not disappeared. Christ has not ceased communing with his people. He has not forgotten his saints. Our catechism asks the question, what do you believe concerning the communion of saints? And that's an important way to pose the question. Because while the answer speaks a great deal of our communion, the question also speaks for itself. The question speaks for itself as to who you are, saints. The question tells us about how Christ sees us, how Christ sees you as saints. And so the question tells me how I should view you and how you should view one another. We are a communion of saints. We're not a social club. We're not primarily a, a community of, of sinners or flawed failures. We are those things in ourselves. And yet we are primarily a communion of saints. In the eyes of Jesus, that's what we are, saints, his beautiful bride. And so I speak to you today, as the Apostle Paul spoke to the Corinthians so Long ago, if you turn back in your Bibles to Paul's opening address, listen to how he addresses these readers, the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. The apostle knows the church's failures and shortcomings. He knows of their pride and and their sinful divisions. He knows of their blemishes and imperfections, and yet, He sees them and he addresses them as those who are sanctified in Christ, as those who are beloved saints in Christ. The Apostle Paul regards these Corinthians as Christ regards them, as those who are sanctified. And that's how I view you today. Our church, just like every church, is far from perfect. No doubt we we too have things we need to work on. 
relationships that need to be mended. There are grudges and hard feelings that are still held against each other in our midst. And yes, we need to work on those things and repent of those things. And yet you are still a communion of saints. This is who you are and what you are. We are a communion of saints, as we'll hear next week, that because of Christ, God no longer holds any of our sins against us or our sinful nature that we need to struggle against our lives. We're a communion of saints. As those who are hidden in Christ, God sees us in Christ. As those who have communion with Him, who share in all His treasures, all His gifts, that's what we find here in question and answer 55 of our catechism. Here we discover that the church of Christ is indeed still glorious because she is still gifted because she still shares in Christ and in all his treasures and gifts. And so we consider Christ's glorious church and the communion of saints, we discover that Christ's church is truly a gifted community. For there is a person for you here. In the communion of saints, you have communion with Jesus himself, who is the greatest gift that God could ever give. We know a second that there is a place for you here. And if you feel out of place in the world, or if you feel out of place at school or at work, there is a place for you here in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We notice finally that there is a purpose for you here. When Jesus calls you out of the world, out of the the dead and kingdom of darkness, and into the, the kingdom of light, he makes you to be a living member. He gives you new purpose, new meaning to your life. The glory of the Lord has not departed. The church of Christ is still glorious because she is still gifted. And she always will be. She is the richest community in all the world. And so there is no greater privilege in this world than to be a member of this community, to be a living member of the communion of saints. We notice in the first place that our confession doesn't begin with us, doesn't begin with, with our communion with each other, but rather begins with Christ. What, what do you understand by the communion of the saints? First, that believers, one and all, as members of Christ the Lord, have communion with Christ and share in all His treasures and gifts. Our communion is first and foremost with Christ Himself. There is a person for you here in the communion of saints. And so I'd like to say from the very outset to all of you who may be perhaps tuning in this afternoon, who, who have not joined yourselves to a true church of Christ, that God would say to you that if you wish you had someone in your life who truly loved you, truly cared for you, the church of Christ is where you need to be. Because there is a person for you here that can't be found anywhere else, the Lord Jesus Christ, a loving Savior who communes with His people. Believers, one and all, as members of Christ, have communion with Christ. Our catechism is really capturing here that which is among the most precious of all the truths of the Scriptures, that you and I are no longer in Adam, but we are now alive in Christ. We are in Christ Jesus. We are members of Him. As the Apostle says here in chapter 12, for just as the body is one, has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. In one spirit we are all baptized into one body, 
both Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. As the Apostle Paul says in chapter 1, God has called us into the fellowship of His Son first and foremost. Truly, our lives are now hidden with Christ. So much so that when Christ, who is our life, appears, we too will appear with Him in glory. Colossians 3 verse 4. That we are members of Christ and have communion with Him means that as our representative head, all that He has is now ours. What Christ has done, we have done. What's happened to Christ has also happened to us. And what will happen to Christ will also happen to us. If, If Christ suffered, we'll suffer. If Christ is glorified, we also will be glorified. We are united to Christ. There is a person for us here who loves us, who cares for us far more deeply than we can ever fully begin to imagine. And so the first relationship that our catechism is calling us to appreciate and to grow in is our relationship with Christ Himself. That we have communion with Christ first and foremost means that an ever-deepening relationship with Him and and strengthening our bond with Him needs to be priority number one. As one pastor used to say to couples at the start of premarital counseling, your relationship with your spouse will never be better than your relationship with Christ. And that's true for us here as well as a communion of saints. Our relationships with one another will never be stronger. They'll never be better than our relationship with Christ. And so the best thing that that we as believers can do for one another is to strengthen our relationship with Christ. To love Him more deeply. Are we doing that today? Are we fostering a closer relationship with Christ? If there are deficiencies or weaknesses in your relationships with one another, perhaps the first relationship you need to be working on is your relationship with Christ. Or if you're still holding a grudge or resentment against your brother, perhaps you need to spend more time in communion with Christ. He has not held a grudge against you, although you are a sinner. The reason why we need to go to church, the reason why it's so important, boys and girls, to belong to the communion of saints is because there is a person for us here. There is a person who waits to meet you, who, who loves you so much that he not only give you the shirt off your back, but he'd give you the skin off his back. And that he did, even being willing to go all the way to death for you. This is the Savior who communes with His people, who causes us to to share in all His treasures, all His gifts. Certainly, brothers and sisters, as your pastor, as your elders, as your deacons, we love you. We are here for you. If there's anything you need or any struggle you're in, we're here for you. When we confess the communion of the saints, we're confessing the the profound reality that Christ is here for us too. For now we see in a mirror dimly, says Paul, but then face to face. Now we see in part, but then more fully, even as now I know in part, but then I shall know more fully, even as I have been fully known. This is the bond that unites the saints. They are all intimately known by Christ, fully known by Christ. 
And so it is for us as well. That if we feel like nobody really knows us or understands us, the Lord Jesus speaks to us and he says, I know you. I, I understand you. I know everything about you that makes you you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I love you. He says to us, although you see now only as through a mirror dimly, by faith and not by sight, a day is coming. You shall see me face to face in all my grace and glory to dwell with me in sweet communion forever. We have communion with Christ. We share in all his treasures and gifts. His righteousness is our righteousness. His holiness is our holiness. His perfect obedience is our perfect obedience. His death is our death. And his victory is our victory. For Christ has so bound us to himself in that way. But, but by binding us to himself, he has also bound us to one another. Yes, our communion is first and foremost with Christ. There is a person for us here. But we notice, secondly, that there is not only a person for us here, but there is also a place for us here. Listen again to how the Apostle says in verses 14 through 25. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, there would be no body. But as it is, there are many parts and yet one body. The church of Christ, you see, is a place that has room enough for each and every one of us. None of us can say, I, I don't belong here. None of us can say, that there's no place for me here. For God has arranged us as members of the body of Christ. And so each one of us has a place and a purpose. Each one of us belongs. Each one of us has a place. Even to struggling sinners who aren't yet saints, who haven't yet confessed Christ, even to them, the church's message is, come, there is room for you here. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy. Weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. The church of Christ is a place where the love of Christ has been poured into our hearts so that his people really do begin to, to walk in the path of what the apostle called that more excellent way which he narrowed down to that one little word, love. That in a world where people are hateful and envious and boastful. That in a world where people are arrogant and rude, where people insist on their own way. That in a world where people are irritable and resentful and quick to abandon you and the going gets rough. In this world, the church of Christ is a place where the love of Christ never ends. We live in a world where so many people are made to feel so out of place where you have to have the right looks and the right talents and everything else, where, where all sorts of, of conditions are placed on belonging. 
Perhaps some of you teenagers can relate to this at school. Perhaps you too somewhat feel like you're always on the outside looking at you don't fit in. There's no place for you. But I tell you, there is a place for you here. There is a place for you here in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a place for you in the communion of saints. There is no other community like this community in all the world where one member suffers and we all suffer together, where when one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, says Paul, and each one of you are a part of it. Each one of you belongs. Don't ever let anybody ever tell you otherwise. By the grace of God, you belong to the richest community in all the world. The church of Christ is so glorious because of how gifted she is. What this means, people of God, is that we have something to set before the world. I sometimes wonder if we ever sell the church too short. I was reminded again of the Queen of Sheba. Do you remember the Queen of Sheba? How, how she traveled from afar to to see the place where wisdom of God was manifest in the reign of King Solomon, how, how she asked all these hard questions and he, and he gave her the answers, the meanings of life. Remember how she saw the priestly service in the temple, how she saw the joyful servants of the king, how, how glad they were to serve and how it all took her breath away. She must have thought to herself, wow, this is what God's people are about. This is amazing. This is breathtaking. And here I thought the rumors couldn't be true that this rinky-dink little city could ever amount to anything. But wow, this is the place where God has richly gifted His people the wise king. Where God has bestowed upon His people riches beyond compare. Where I found everything I was ever looking for. And that's how we ought to view the church of Christ today. We mustn't sell ourselves too short because the church of Christ is, is far more glorious today than she ever was in the days of King Solomon. As Christ communes with his saints, he pours out gifts from heaven upon us, his members. And so our community today is richer than it's ever been before. And so we confess the communion of the saints where we're confessing that we have something to show the world. We're confessing that, that we believe this is the place where, where everybody needs to be. That if they want love, if they want to feel at home, if they want to have purpose, this is where they need to be. Because we've come to know that this is where each one of us needs to be. We all live in the world of Ecclesiastes where the preacher says, meaningless, meaningless, everything under the sun is meaningless. And apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, is exactly right as he describes life in this world without God. Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. And so if you're wondering, what's all this really about? Why, why am I even here? What's the meaning of life? What's my purpose? The answer can only be found in the Lord Jesus who gives hope to those who are without hope, who gives purpose to those who have no purpose in life. 
He answers the burden of every human heart and shows us that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Yes, we have communion with Christ and we share in all His treasures and gifts, but this reality ought to have a great impact on how we live. And our catechism picks up on that impact when it says each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of all the other members. As we heard last week of this community, we are and always will be living members, and that's key because we're not dead members. We're living members. And having new life and new identity, each one of us also now has new purpose. We all have a role to play, a function to play in the body of Christ. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul is getting at when he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. But on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. In other words, boys and girls, when we confess the communion of the saints, we're confessing that we're all in this together. All of us has a function. All of us has a purpose. And so none of us should view ourselves as being insignificant or not needed. Because that simply isn't true. But as Paul says, even the parts of the body that seem or appear to be weaker are indispensable. And so are each and every one of you. From a pastor of mine once, like in the communion of saints, to a team of mountain climbers making their way up to the summit. Like a team of mountain climbers, we're we're carrying those who are wounded. We're carrying those who, who can't yet walk on their own. We're holding hands. We're tied together to make sure that nobody slips away, that nobody is left behind. And together we're all climbing, making our way to the summit of glory. We all have the mind of Christ, the view to, to greater fellowship and communion with Christ. And we're going to get there. We're going to get to the top of the mountain. We're going to, to see the Lord Christ face to face to, to commune with Him forever. But until we see Him face to face, the Spirit of Christ would press us with the question, are you willing to be of service in the church of Christ? Are you willing to use your gifts readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members? Are you actively looking for needs that you can fill? Are, are you frequently praying those words of Psalm 122 that, that peace would be within Jerusalem? Are you willing to use the gifts that Christ has given you for the service of others? Because this is what being a communion of saints is all about. As we commune with Christ, as we share in His treasure, as we share in His gifts, He calls us to use those gifts readily and joyfully calls us to come alongside one another, to, to bear one another's burdens in the Lord. calls us to be on watch for those who might feel like they're on the outside looking in. To speak an encouraging word. 
Having given us, having given us the greatest gift of all, love, he, he calls us to be patient and kind. He calls us to, to bear all things, to endure all things for the sake of the saints. Are you willing to do that tonight? Are you looking for ways to, to serve, to use your gifts for the service and enrichment of the other members? Christ calls us to be willing. As I trust you saw in the bulletin, the near future, we're going to be working our way through the nomination process for elders and deacons again. And as a council, we're going to read through the biblical qualifications. We're, we're going to pray that Christ, the King of His church, would, would lead us in that process. And so the Spirit of Christ presses the question upon you men this evening. Will you be ready to serve if called upon? Will you be willing to use the gifts that Christ's under-shepherds have identified in you? Will you be ready to use those gifts joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members? Something for you men to be thinking about, prayerfully considering. If Christ calls you to the office, then He will supply what you need to serve in that office. He calls you to be willing. Of course, it's not just the elders and the deacons and the pastor have a purpose and a function in the body. But each one of us has been given various gifts to be used in the service of others. As Paul says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so it is for each and every one of us, believers, one and all, as members of Christ. We have communion with Christ. We share in all His treasures and gifts. And so He calls us to consider it a duty to use those gifts. To put those gifts into practice. To use them readily and cheerfully in the service and enrichment of others. This is what being a communion of saints looks like. And a communion of saints is truly what we are. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the communion of saints. You've called us out of the world into communion with your own beloved Son. Father, we pray that as we share in Christ and all his gifts and benefits, that you would make us to be willing to use these gifts readily and joyfully in the service of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.